Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 37 of Revelation chapter 21. In our last study, we were continuing a discussion into the Bible's teaching regarding two nations. The Lord told Rebekah, Isaac's wife, in the book of Genesis, when she wondered why her children, twins, that were still in the womb, were struggling together so. And God said, it's because there's two nations that are in your womb. And it was Jacob and Esau, the saved and unsaved. God's elect, those that are not God's elect. And that's always been the case. That's why in our verse of Revelation 21, verse 24, it it says, And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. There's the nations of them which are saved, uh, typified by Jacob. And Luke 12, verse 30, refers to the nations of the world. The nations of the world are typified by Esau. The two nations, the word nations in, in the New Testament is ethnos. It's the word translated as Gentiles, um, heathen people or nations. And in our discussion, we had gone to Matthew chapter 28. And I just want to clarify something before we move on. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission is given by the Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Here, Christ is issuing the Great Commission, as it's been called. And and rightly so, it is a Great Commission, a task the Lord gave to his people, which encompassed the whole New Testament era. And, and they were to go and teach all nations. Now, when we see the reference to all nations, we have to ask the question, does it mean all nations of the world or all nations of the elect? And the answer comes when we see that the next part of the verse says, after uh, saying, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of Son and of the Holy Ghost. All nations are to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But that was never possible. The the nations of the world never would have submitted themselves. Uh, for the most part, they had no interest in the Great Commission, in the Gospel of the Bible, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So they 
they uh, never got to the point of entering into the church during the church age and certainly were never baptized. Yet when we understand that the reference to baptizing them is not water baptism, but it is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The, the baptism that is performed by God at the point of salvation. Because biblical baptism, when God says you must be baptized, he is uh, speaking of the baptism that involves the washing away of sin. That's baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that baptism comes through the hearing of the Word of God. It comes through being taught or or when the Word of God is declared to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That is, as you go out into the world carrying the the message of the Bible, the Word of God, you will encounter the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the elect, and they will be baptized through the Word that you are bringing. They will experience baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they will have their sins washed away. And, and then further, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, uh, and, and so the, the them continues to refer to all nations, all nations that are baptized. And that would be through the spiritual baptism of salvation, the washing away of sins. And then the verse makes perfect sense. It, it fits together, harmonizing with all the other things we have learned in the Bible, that it is the elect, the nations of them that are saved, that we were sent to, to find. And, and that is important. It's an important distinction that the commission is not go into the nations so that all the world hears because, you know, some people say today, well, not everyone is heard. Not everyone is heard. And uh, even though, uh, from God's perspective, the gospel has gone out. As we read in Matthew chapter 24, it says in verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. That's the same word we've been looking at. And then shall the end come. And prior to May 21, 2011, the word of God was declared to the world as a witness to all nations. And God used it um, to accomplish the dual purpose of baptizing all nations of the elect, um, with spiritual baptism, the washing away of their sins, and a testimony against the nations of the world, the unsaved that are the uh, largest um, percentage 
of people that are out there. And, and so God accomplished both and then comes the end. Judgment Day started on May 21, 2011 and continues. We're in the end right now. We're, we're waiting for the completion of Judgment Day and the finality of all things, but we're in the end of the world right now when, when we understand that we're in the day of judgment, well, judgment day comes at the end of the world. So we are living at the end of the world. And so the one portion of the Great Commission was go teach all nations, baptizing them. And once God saved the last one whose name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the last of the nations of them which are saved. Then when that individual became saved, let's say at the stroke of midnight, that when the Great Tribulation turned into the Day of Judgment, when the transition was made from judging the churches to now judging all the world, and, and God saved that last individual, the, that portion of the Great Commission was fulfilled. The the people of God had accomplished the task of going into the world and teaching all nations of the elect, baptizing them as they were carriers of the word of God, carriers of the water that would wash away their sins. And then, though, notice verse 20 of Matthew 28, teaching them, teaching who? All nations of the elect, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. If you love me, keep my commandments. But all things whatsoever Christ has commanded. It's almost, um, we, we think, uh, sort of like additional information. The, the Great Commission is given in the previous verse and that gets all the attention uh, that that's sort of the uh, the headline uh, yet verse 20 is significant more than significant it's extremely important there in verse 20 it's sort of a follow-up statement to the previous verse you know um, God's people and and the church especially they love the idea of making disciples of of bringing the gospel so people can hear and be saved but the follow up the follow up towards those that were saved god the lord jesus finds just as important and verse 20 is is following up on those that were baptized and again what does it mean that they were baptized, it means they had their sins washed away. Verse 20 has to do with what happens once the all nations of the elect, uh, of them which are saved, have become saved. They, they've been baptized. Now you teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Do you, you see the relationship to what we learn in, say, the Gospel of John, chapter 21? 
when there was a great catch of fish, 153, uh, a great catch because it typified the great multitude that came out of great tribulation, that completed God's salvation program, that saved the last of the elect, and then afterwards, once they brought the fish to the Lord Jesus Christ, and and that was uh, a picture of everyone to be saved, safe and secure with the Lord, then Jesus asked Peter, who's who's a, a, a portrait of all of the people of God that will live after the great tribulation, after the great multitude has been brought in. Jesus asked Peter, lovest thou me? If you love me, we read it earlier in John, keep my commandments. Lovest thou me, Peter? And Peter was someone who uh, had uh, faltered in weakness earlier when Christ was taken and and he said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. Then a second time, then a third time, indicating the purpose of God, the same question was asked, Lovest thou me? And each time Peter would say, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. And Jesus then responded, Feed my sheep. Feed. What does feeding sheep have to do with anything? To feed spiritually means to teach. It, it means what it, we're reading here in Matthew 28, verse 20. Teaching them. Teaching who? All nations. Teaching the nations that that you went forth and baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The nations that have had their sins washed away. The nations of them which are saved. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. You've done well. You've done well. We could, we could hear God, um, say, uh, as he has said in Hebrews chapter 10, in, um, verse 36, for you have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Ye have done the will of God and done it well when you accomplished the great commission you went forth into the world you taught all nations baptizing them the nations of them which are saved into the Holy Ghost the Father, Son and Holy Spirit that is they became saved they had their sins washed away but there's a second commandment a second Great Commission, could we say? Well, doesn't God tell us, Thou must prophesy again in Revelation chapter 10 unto all nations? Remember that? It's the last verse of Revelation 10 in verse 11. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Because that's where the great multitude is. That's where the sheep are found. Amongst the nations, the Gentiles of the world are the the nations of them which are saved. They're scattered. We don't know who they are. So it's the same reason why we have to go and share with everyone. We're, We're not God. We don't know 
which one, as we look at people, was saved and which one wasn't. We can't tell a Jacob from an Esau. We're not able to discern the difference. So we must prophesy again to all people, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That is, all things. The, the Holy Spirit will come and guide you into all truth, Jesus said in John 16. But we know from the Bible that all things or all truth were not open to the understanding of God's people until the time of the end. Until, as said to Daniel, the word would be sealed until the end. And until the great tribulation and until the day of judgment, when there would be an increased understanding, knowledge would increase, the people of God would learn many truths that the Holy Spirit was guiding them into. And and so the Great Commission is twofold. In Matthew 28, go and baptize. There is... The, the command to bring the gospel unto salvation. But that command applies to the day of salvation. What about those days after the tribulation when the work day of salvation has concluded and now it, it, it's a period of darkness, spiritual darkness covering the earth? Well then, now the Great Commission, the second part of the Great Commission takes effect, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And notice how Christ ties it to the end in the last part of verse 20. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, or the end of the age. And and that's exactly where we find ourselves at the very end of the world. And what is our task? We are to teach the sheep. We are to instruct them concerning all information God has opened up from his word, the Bible, all the things we have learned. We are to share them with them. We're to teach them of the judgment on the church, the end of the church age. We're to teach them concerning God's true judgment of annihilation rather than hell. We're to teach them about the spiritual nature of judgment day which began on May 21, 2011 and, and so on. We're teaching the nations of them which were saved, the elect that God has already saved. The, notice there's no mention of baptism in verse 20 that applies to the time after the great multitude is brought in. Now it's time to feed the sheep. Well, all right, I, I wanted to uh, just make sure we we understood how that fits into God's overall scheme of things. But let's stay in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, and go to Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew 25, and we're going to read something that also identifies with this present time. It's a parable that Christ gave that illustrates Judgment Day. And 
the process that God will put into motion at that time. In Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. There is the reference to nations. It says that all nations are gathered before him, and the word nations is ethnos, the same word we've been following and and looking at in various places, and we know that it could be the nations of them which are saved or the nations of the world. In this context, it's both, and the context reveals that, before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Wow, this is interesting, isn't it? And uh, Lord willing, uh, when we get together in our next study, we're going to look deeper, more closely, into the things that Christ is telling us in this parable that he's given. First of all, we see that he mentions the Son of Man coming in his glory with the holy angels, and then then he will sit upon the throne of his glory. And, of course, that reminds us of the great white throne of God's judgment, the judgment throne of God. And and here uh, is Christ, and the Father has committed unto him all judgment. He's coming with angels. As we know, Christ comes with ten thousands of his saints. He's seated upon the throne of glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. And it can only mean both the nations of them which are saved and the nations of the world. They, they're all together. Just like in the church was the wheat and the tares, well now, it's Judgment Day. We know Judgment Day came at the end of the Great Tribulation. May 21, 2011 is when Judgment Day began. And uh, it's at that point that the things we're reading about here in this parable would would begin to take effect. And and Christ, um, during the second part of the Great Tribulation period, was sowing the seed, abundantly so, in the world, out there amongst the nations, the Gentiles. And, and now comes Judgment Day, and it it appears that God is following the same pattern that he established with the churches. Over the course of the church age, he sowed seed in the midst of the congregations. Then, at the end of the church age, he went about the business of dividing wheat and the tares over the course of the judgment period upon them. The 23-year Great Tribulation period was a 23-year judgment on the church. 
and God began dividing the wheat from the tares and completed the uh, division, the separation of saved and unsaved on the last day. May 21, 2011, the end of the judgment on the church is when God finalized the separation of the wheat and the tares. And at that point, he began a second sifting process or a second um, separation process that we're reading about here in Matthew 25 between sheep and goats. He doesn't speak of wheat and tares. And, and one reason is he wouldn't want us to confuse the two. The uh, sheep and the goats, it's really saying the same thing. Saved and unsaved. The nations of the elect and the nations of the world. That all nations come before him and then he, the Lord Jesus, separates them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. It's um, a second separation of the saved and the unsaved. That is not the same um, thing, or it's not focused on the same separation as the wheat and the tares. It cannot be. The the separation of the wheat and the tares what was underway during the judgment on the churches and the command uh, or the information, first of all, that God judged the churches and then commanded his people to come out was the mechanism by which he was able to start the separation process. And that occurred during the Great Tribulation and was finalized at, at the conclusion of it. The separation process for the sheep and the goats. What What is the mechanism? That's an interesting question for us to think about. What has been and is the mechanism that God has put into motion to bring about the separation of the sheep and the goats? Well, Lord willing, when we get together in our next study, we're going to look at um, this passage uh, more carefully. We'll look at um, what the Bible has to say about Christ coming in glory and and how we can understand that phrase. We'll look at how it is that the sheep are appearing before him, before his throne. Consider that. Here's another reference that indicates the elect are present at the time of judgment before the throne of Christ. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.